If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3. Uh, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. We're going to be in chapter 3 this morning uh, for just a few minutes as we um, think about uh, the theme of confidence in God's um, faithfulness. Let me just pray before uh, we begin. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness that we have been able to see. As we come to your word uh, now, we pray that you would open our ears to hear you speaking to us. Pray that you would open our eyes to see you. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive and to respond to your word as it is um, uh, proclaimed to us this morning. And we pray this for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. As we had that theme of faithfulness that you saw throughout our presentation, uh, we want to think about that theme as we come to God's word this morning. We're not going to read um, all of the verses in Deuteronomy 3, but I will reference a number of them as we're uh, working through the text uh, together. Um, But I want you to have it open there if if possible um, so that you can be uh, uh, seeing that. You can see the other verses that I don't refer to as well um, and uh, maybe have a look at those as we go through. But as we think about God's faithfulness, we We sing about God's faithfulness, don't we? God has been faithful. He's a faithful God, um, and his faithfulness is amazing. Uh, But there is a reality as we live in in this world that is um, cursed by sin, uh, that's broken and messed up. The reality is that we can sometimes doubt God's faithfulness. Uh, We can feel like, well, is God really being faithful as we face these difficulties? Now, I don't know all of you here this morning, and I don't know all of the things that you're going through, but because I know that we live in a sin-cursed, broken world, I know that all of us have various challenges, difficulties, and circumstances that we are facing. Uh, It might be relational concerns that you have, maybe some difficulties within your marriage, difficulties within your family, difficulties with coworkers or classmates at school, or difficulties um, with your neighbors. We've had some of those as we've uh, lived in the UK. Maybe it is uh, health concerns. Uh, Maybe there is uh, a diagnosis that you are facing or uh, some kind of procedure that's coming up, or maybe somebody in your family, a loved one who is going through Uh, some difficulties with their health. Maybe it's financial concerns. The economy uh, continues to be a a challenge for people, and you're wondering, how are we going to make the ends uh, meet? Uh, Maybe it's work concerns. Am I going to have the same job next year? Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're just fearful and anxious about the future. What's the future going to hold? What's going to happen? There's so much uncertainty in our lives. Can we trust God? Why should we follow him? Is it really worth following him? I want to encourage you this morning that I think it is. I think that's what the Bible would encourage us to this morning as well. But we often need to be reminded of that because we can forget that so easily. As we come to Deuteronomy chapter 3, I think that the people of Israel might have been asking that question as well. Can we trust God's faithfulness? Can we have confidence that God's going to do what he has promised to do. Uh, now, because uh, we haven't gone through chapters 1 and 2 and we're jumping right into the middle of chapter 3, uh, let me just bring you quickly up to speed of, of where things are. So Israel as a nation uh, is on the uh, eastern side of the Jordan River, and they are getting ready to cross over the Jordan River into the land that God had promised to them, the land of Canaan. 
Um, and so I'm sure there's some excitement, but there's also, I, I think, some fear that they're facing as they look at the prospect of going into this promised land after they've just spent the last 40 years as a nation wandering around in the wilderness because of their lack of trust in God and because of um, their um, lack of faith in him. And in Deuteronomy chapters 1 through 3, Moses is kind of giving a bit of a history lesson. I don't know if you like history, but he's kind of reminding the nation of some of the things in their past as they get ready for this new adventure before them, as they get ready to go in and begin to take possession of the land of Canaan. He wants to remind them of how they've gotten to this point where they're standing on the eastern shores. And he wants to encourage them for what lays ahead. Uh, So there are four, just four things that we're going to think about uh, this morning as we think about confidence in God's faithfulness. And the first is this, God has been faithful in the past. Uh, That's a a truth that that, uh, is proclaimed here, I believe, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Again, we're not going to read all those verses, but in those verses, it recounts, uh, Moses recounts the defeat of a king called Og, who was king of Bashan. Uh, If you look back at the end of chapter 2, uh, you will also find another account of a defeat of a king called Sion uh, that they had utterly destroyed. And these are, uh, were kings on the eastern side of the Jordan River. When they went into that area, they came uh, to battle against them, and, and the Lord gave them into their hands. That's what we read in verse 2. The Lord said unto me, Fear him not, that is Og, for I will deliver him and all his people and his land into thy hand, And thou shalt do unto him as thou didst unto Sion, king of the Amorites, which dwelt at Heshbon. So God is the one who is giving them victory over their enemies. And it was a total victory. If you notice in verse 4, it says uh, that uh, they took all of the cities at that time. There wasn't a city in which they uh, took not from them three score cities. So that's 60 cities, all of the region of Argob. The kingdom of Og and Bashan, they took the whole kingdom of both Sion and Og, these two Amorite kings. Now, why would he be reminding them of that? Well, I think he reminds them of these things in these first 11 verses because of some of the fears that they had the first time that they went to go into the land. So back in Deuteronomy chapter 1, uh, Moses is, remember I said that he's recounting their history, and he speaks about the event at Kadesh Barnea when uh, they sent the, the spies into the land, the 12 spies, and they went and they spent 40 days in the land, and they got to see it and, and bring back a report, and they brought back some of the fruit of the land. And um, uh, we read about it in, in chapter 1, verse 26. We read this, Notwithstanding, ye would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. So God had said, go in, and they rebelled against that. And he murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to, to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, the people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Then I said unto you, dread not. Neither be afraid of them. The Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where thou hast seen how the Lord your God, uh, thy God, beareth, bear thee as a man doth bear his son in all the way that ye went until ye came into this place. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord your God. 
So God said to go, and they said no. They went with the 10 spies that said, the land was great, but we shouldn't go in. They believed them. And there were three particular fears that were mentioned in those verses. <clears throat> he said they were afraid that they were going to deliver them into the hands of the Amorites to destroy them. Well, if you flip back to chapter 3, notice what it says in verse 8. It says, and we took at that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites, the land that was on the side of the Jordan. What happened? They were afraid they were going to destroy them. What happened? God gave them into their hands and they destroyed them. It was the reversal of what they thought was going to happen. They were also afraid that of the cities. When the spies came back, the cities are walled, they're high, they're big, they're fortified. There's no way we're going to be able to go in and take them. We read how they took every one of the cities in verse 4. And notice what it says about the cities in verse 5. All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars. They were fortified. And what happened? They took every one of those cities in this last battle. This is recent history for these people that Moses is sharing. The third fear, the people are greater and taller than we are. They're bigger than we are. There's giants in the land. And then in verse 11, you get this kind of strange detail. It says this, it says, For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabbah of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. Now, I'm sure you know how big a cubit is. You probably use it all the time um, in your house. You know the cubit dimension of your house, the church building, the new church that you're looking, you, you've got measured it all out in cubits, probably not. A uh, cube is, is about the length of a forearm, about 18 inches. So this is a massive bed, 13 and a half feet by 6 feet wide. Now, some com uh, commentator scholars uh, believe that this might have been his coffin that he was buried in. Why? Because he was a giant. What were they afraid of? Giants. What has just happened? They just defeated a giant king. He is no longer there. Those fears that they were afraid of, God had been faithful to his promises. He said that they should go in and take possession of those land. They should not be afraid of those things. That's what Moses tried to encourage them. But that generation before them did not believe. And they're now on the cusp of going in and they could believe all those fears again and not believe God. And so Moses reminds them of those things. And as we think about that, as we reflect on God's faithfulness in our lives, it's amazing when you think about it. We often forget that, don't we? We get in the midst of those circumstances, those difficulties that I mentioned at the beginning, and we forget that God's been faithful in the past. And when we remember that, it encourages us, doesn't it, in the future. Listen, God has this. He, look how he's been faithful in the past. Well, this thing, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't understand what's going on or why this is happening, but God is faithful in the present as well. How has God been faithful to you? So God's been faithful in the past, verses 1 to 11. Secondly, God has been faithful to keep his promises, verses 12 to 17. Now, I'm not going to read those verses. There's a lot of names of places and borders and things. This is, uh, in this section, um, the land that was just conquered in those two kingdoms was given and distributed out to two and a half of the tribes of Israel, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And so it's outlining their borders and where their land was uh, to be um, at. If you have uh, maps in the back of your Bible, most likely one of them will be the vision of the, the land among the 12 tribes. And you'll be able to see on the eastern side of the Jordan River, those two and a half tribes, the land that is allotted there that it speaks about. It shows you where that is. Two, two people, Jair and Makir, are singled out because of their role in taking particular areas in verses 14 and 15. I think 
they're there as examples to the people of trusting in God. When you trust God, there's, there's blessing. They were given uh, portions of the land in particular and singled out because of their trust in God. He said he would give them the land and the possession of the promised land has begun as two and a half of the tribes now have their land. They're standing right now as Moses is sharing these things with them in part of the promised land. Is God going to be faithful to his promises? He's already begun to. As we think about God's promises throughout his word, and as we reflect on those, again, that should encourage our hearts. Uh, We were uh, referencing the Great Commission, and at the end of the Great Commission is the promise that, that God will be with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us, the Bible tells us. What an encouragement that is. So whatever you're going through, whatever those trials are, whatever those circumstances are, God is with you. He is faithful to that promise. He won't leave you. And we can trust that. And it should encourage our hearts. So God's been faithful in the past. He's been faithful to keep his promises. Our third point is that God will be faithful in the future. It's not a very complicated outline here but it's a very helpful one, right? Because it's nice to think about what God's done in the past, but sometimes we look at the future and we get anxious and and we are are afraid of what's going to happen and we begin to fear, just like the Israelites did when they were first at Kadesh Barnea. They feared what was in front of them and they did not trust God. Well, because of God's past faithfulness, he will be faithful in the future because God does not change. He is faithful to his character. And so in verses 18 to 22 of chapter 3, uh, we have a reminder to those two and a half tribes who have just been given their land of their promise to go and fight with their, um, uh, the rest of Israel, their brothers. When they came to Moses at first and said, we'd like this land because it's really good for livestock, and, and they did have a lot of livestock. They're like, this would be a perfect land. We would love to have this land. And Moses is like, I'm not sure about this. So he had to go to God because he said he, he was afraid that they were going to, hey, We've got our land now. Good luck. Hope everything goes well. Thanks for helping fight for our land. We, 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 you know, we'll send you a postcard. And they said, no, no, no. God said, you can give it to them. And they, they promised, we will send our men before our brothers and we will help them fight for their land until God gives them possession of their land, until he has given them rest. You see, the unity and solidarity of God's people, Israel, was so important. They needed to be together in this. They needed to fight together. The reality is that the unity and solidarity of God's people is no less important today. We might not be fighting a war against, you know, physical enemies like they were getting ready to, but we are involved in spiritual war. We forget about that. Some of the things that we're facing are a result of that. And God has promised he will be with us, but he's also put us in a family. Isn't that great? He's put us in a family to care for one another, to watch out for one another, to pray for one another, to support one another, to encourage one another when we get frustrated and when we are discouraged, when we want to give up and throw in the towel. And God's put you in this family. That's why it's so important to be with God's people regularly. So we can be sharing what God's doing. So we can be encouraging one another and supporting one another as we serve him. But you also notice in verses 21 and 22 
uh, that Moses commands Joshua. It says, I, I commanded Joshua at that time, thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings, so shall the Lord do to all the kingdoms whither thou passest. Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. What did Joshua need to know? Not only is this, this nation getting ready to cross over the Jordan River, but there's going to be a massive leadership change. It's moving from Moses to Joshua, and that was unsettling, I'm sure, for the people. Moses had been the one who delivered them out of the human instrument, delivered them out of Egypt, cross over the, the um, uh, Red Sea uh, to help them as they wandered through the wilderness. He was the one who was the leader, and now the mantle is being passed on to Joshua. And as he speaks to Joshua, he reminds, he says, listen, God's been faithful in the past. Just remember what he did to those two kings. He's going to do the same to the kings on the other side of the river. Don't be, in, don't be afraid of them. Why? Because you're really strong. No, because the Lord fights for you. Trust him. Trust him. He will be faithful in the future. Is there something ahead of you that's causing you to fear? How big is your God? You see, when we, when we look at our circumstances and when they're difficult, it consumes our hearts. It consumes our minds. It consumes our, I mean, we can't see anything else. You ever been there before? What happens when all of a sudden you take your focus off of that thing and you look to God? And you're reminded in his word of who he is. All of a sudden, those things start to shrink a little bit, right? I'm not saying they aren't still significant, but all of a sudden, it doesn't consume you. And all of a sudden, you have a different perspective because it's not just you. There's a God who is with you, who is helping you, who is bringing you through this, who has a purpose for what is going on in your life. And so that should be an encouragement to us as well. We can trust God for the future. We don't have to be afraid. So God has been faithful in the past. God has been faithful to keep his promises. God will be faithful in the future. And you might be able to guess the fourth point. God will be faithful to keep his promises. The end of the chapter reminds us of this reality. In these verses, Moses prays. He pleads with God that, that he will let him go into the promised land. You see, Moses has been prevented uh, and is not permitted to go because of his actions in striking a rock in Numbers chapter 20 instead of speaking to the rock like God said. And he did not uphold God's holiness before the people. And therefore, God said, as a result of that, you will not go into the promised land, the land of Canaan, with the people. And what do we see Moses doing? He's just asking God, please let me go. Please let me go. Like a little kid, right? This shows us the relationship between Moses and God, doesn't it? I mean, he's just, he's not afraid to go to God and just say, please, 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 again and again and again. God gets to the point where he says, we're not going to talk about this anymore. That's, that's it. Sometimes parents get to that point, right? That's it. I know you've been asking, but this is the final decision. It's not happening. He said, but you can go up onto the top of Mount Pisgah. You can look out at the land. That's the land that, that I'm going to give. I will fulfill my promises, but you aren't going to go into that land, at least not in his earthly life. Because we read in the Gospels, in, in places like Luke chapter 9, of the transfiguration of Jesus when he was here on earth. And Moses stood in the promised land. 
alongside Jesus because next to Jesus was Elijah and Moses. Does God fulfill his promises? Absolutely. Did, did the, the people go in and take possession of the land of Canaan? At that time, they weren't sure, but we can look back and say, absolutely, that's what happened. Why? Because God was faithful to his promises. And so Moses, in verse 28, he charges and encourages uh, and strengthens Joshua for the task ahead of him because God tells him that Joshua is going to be the one who goes over before the people and he will cause them to inherit the land that he is going to see when he goes up on the top of that mountain. Getting ready for the leadership transition. God was going to be faithful not only to his people, but he'd be faithful in that transition as well. He would provide for his people. I just said before, I asked the question, how big is your God? And, I, and as I end, I just want us to, to take a look at one verse. It's verse 24. And this is part of Moses' prayer. And let's just see the, the vision that Moses had of his God. O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do according to thy works and according to thy might? Did you hear what he said? He said, you just begun to show your greatness and your mighty hand. There's nobody like you. Now, as you think about that, and as I reflected on that, as I thought about that, and I think about Moses and his life, that just amazes me. God, you're just getting started is essentially what he's saying. Now, Moses was one who was put in a basket and sent down the river, and he was uh, found by Pharaoh's daughter and raised in his house as one of his children. Uh, he uh, was spoken to God by a bush that didn't burn up and commissioned and called to go and to proclaim to Pharaoh, let my people go. And he went and, and he did that. And God, through 10 plagues, rescued his people. And they left Egypt. But Pharaoh didn't want to lead, let them to go too easily. So he sent his army after them. And they were trapped between Pharaoh's army and the Red Sea. And what happened? He said, raise your staff. And, and they walked across on dry land. And then the waves came crashing on Pharaoh and his army and wiped them all out. They went then into Mount Sinai where God gave them the Ten Commandments written on stone with his own hand. And Moses was up on the top of that mountain. And Moses saw the pillar of cloud that led them by day and the pillar of fire that led them by night. And Moses saw the manna as he walked out of his tent each morning there on the ground to collect and eat. And Moses saw God bring water out of rocks. And God saw or Moses saw God bring victory over their enemies. And here he is after all of that. And he says, God, you're just getting started. That's amazing. I mean, I, I would have loved to maybe be a part of one of those things that, that he experienced in his life. We can read about them. And, and yeah, he's saying, God, you're just getting started. That's why he wanted to go over. He wanted to see what God was going to do. And, and as we continue to serve the Lord. We've talked about his faithfulness. We're so encouraged at what God's done in the past, and we're looking forward with great anticipation to what he's doing in the future. And if you have any doubt that God is faithful, all you have to do is look at the cross. Because it's there that, that God won the greatest battle any of us ever face. As he conquered sin, as he conquered death through the death of his son that he sent because he loves us. If he's given us his son, what else would he hold from us?
So I hope that that encourages you as you face whatever it is in, in your life. And again, uh, it doesn't mean all of those things are going to go the way you want. But God is faithful. He will be with you. Your church family is there with you. And God is just getting started. We can trust him for the future. We can have great confidence in his faithfulness as we look forward to the future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the way we see that portrayed in the scriptures, in the Bible. Thank you for what we could see and be reminded of this morning of your faithfulness in the past and how we see that worked out in in the life of, of the nation of Israel and Moses and Joshua. And how we see your faithfulness in the future as well as we now can look back at some of their future and see how you were faithful to your promises and you were faithful to them as they began to take possession of that land. And I pray that you would help us to to trust you, to, to have confidence in your faithfulness, that you are with us, that you care for us and love us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, the fact that we can have a relationship with you through him. Thank you that you didn't withhold your son, but you gave him for us so that we can know you. And I pray as we get ready to go back to England, that you will help us to have great confidence in the future for what you have. We, we don't know all the plans. They're not all laid out, but we're trusting you for the future, knowing that you go before us. You fight for us. You are with us. And we're grateful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.